No, mate, I love oysters. The, the different variety of tastes and textures uh, for each oyster and, and each estuary is, a, is an eye-opener. Take that opportunity and try them at their, at their, at their peak. This is Fishtails, a seafood podcast. I'm John Sussman. Indigenous people have a long-standing and profound connection with the south coast of New South Wales, marked by cultural significance, sustainable practices and a commitment to preserving their heritage. This relationship encompasses thousands of years of history, cultural traditions and a deep connection to the land and sea. Despite historical challenges, Indigenous communities continue to maintain their cultural practices and advocate for their rights in the region. Aquaculture has also been a crucial part of Indigenous Aboriginal life for thousands of years. It involves sustainable management of aquatic resources, offers cultural significance, provides a dietary staple and fosters economic and trade opportunities. Indigenous communities have a deep understanding of their local ecosystems, prioritise environmental stewardship. Aquaculture reflects their cultural connection to country and their ability to adopt to changing circumstances, making it an integral part of their heritage and identity. Gerard Dudi Dennis is a remarkable individual who has not only made a name for himself as the Australian oyster shucking champion, but also carries with him a deep connection to his Indigenous roots along the south coast. His story is a testament to the rich cultural heritage and the remarkable talent can emerge from the intersection of tradition and modern pursuits. As we delve into the life and achievements of Gerard Dudi Dennis, we uncover a captivating narrative that celebrates both his extraordinary shucking skills and his profound connection to the land and heritage of Australia's south coast. My name is uh, Jared Dennis. I'm located in Batemans Bay at the moment, down on the beautiful south coast, pristine waters down here. Um, mate, I've lived here for 22 plus years, but um, before that, I'm originally from Walgut out at northwest New South Wales, little small country remote town. Uh, mate, my ancestors uh, lived down on the south coast. They are from Naruma, and they were obviously shifted out to. Uh, pre Warrener, Walgett, and Ankledool area. And I think that's my ties. My ancestors are talking to me about how much I love the water. And I think that came about with me taking the opportunity as a young bloke to work on the oyster farms as well. So being connected and actually in the water then, being an oyster farmer. So, yeah. The transformation experienced by a young man moving from western New South Wales to the south coast of New South Wales involves a shift in geography culture, education, employment, lifestyle and social connections. This transition opens up new opportunities, challenges and experiences, allowing him to adapt to a different environment and broaden his horizons. At the time, young fella, not thinking about the, the, the changes that were coming ahead that I was looking forward to. Um, it was more around opportunities for me, John, with... Um, Knowing people down this way and having some family connection and ties down this way sort of helped me along my journey. And the, the guys that helped out was uh, Jim Yanneros and, and John Yanneros, the two twin brothers that own a business called Batemans Bay Oysters. Um, having those connections there and, and my brother Richard Dennis also working for another oyster farmer with Terry Lucas who really got me into it, my, my older brother Richie. He, um, uh, talked Terry into letting me do some work experience there. Two weeks turned into, I think, four months. 
through school. So that was that was good. Um, school obviously wasn't for me at the time, but I look back now and wish I really had my brother say to me, "Finish school, and then you can have the opportunity here on the farms." There's plenty of opportunity, a lot of businesses. So I went back to school and played a bit of football and done what a young fella does at the age of 15 through to 18. Then I end up uh, getting on a traineeship, uh, seafood and aquaculture traineeship with uh, C&J Single Seed Oysters, uh, Stewie Kennedy. So Stuart and Mandy Kennedy, yeah, they gave me an opportunity. So being from Walgett Australia out there and then coming onto the coast, it wasn't really about knowing anything about oysters. I think it was for me and my connection to the water. Um, I think that's what made me want to work. And it's outdoors, John. It's, it's active. So you, being a young, fit lad, um, being in the boats, seeing the, the, the marine life, like it's, it's unreal on the Clyde River here. So, and also getting to know all the boys, the Rolston brothers, they're, they're there. Uh, Steph Pascalides, knowing all them guys, they've, they've had kids my age. So, and Benny and John is also like around my age. So, got on really good and made good connections. And I think once I started the farm oysters, I really enjoyed it. It's just the techniques that we use and then you can see the, the evolution changing really and, and revolution because going from the old stick and from stone to stick to slats and the single seed and to the nurseries, it's a um, pretty good eye-opener. And to see where it's come now with the industry, it's, um, it's, it's pretty big. It's pretty good. Like... You've got Australia's Oyster Coast. I've, I've worked for those guys as well. Um, you've got the East 33 company up north as well. So there's there's the Tassie Oyster. Like it's getting big in in our in our regions and areas. It's creating job opportunities. So for me, it was the opportunity to take it and run and learn a little bit. So oyster farming on the south coast of New South Wales is deeply rooted in the region's culture and economy, with a rich history of sustainable aquaculture practices. The South Coast's pristine waterways and favourable environmental conditions make it an ideal location for oyster cultivation, and this industry has thrived for generations. The Yianaris brothers, as prominent figures in the South Coast oyster farming community, have a significant and transformative influence on the industry. Their commitment to innovation, sustainable practices and community engagement has not only elevated their own oyster farms, but has had a ripple effect throughout the region. Jim and John, like they're not they're not bosses. They're they're family for me. Like they're like my they're like my dad's down here. They practically bred me up and steered me in the right directions, thanks to Richie and Dale. So they they're family. So an argument might be an argument, but it's we turn an argument into to camaraderie and a bit a bit of funny. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? So they, we made it fun. It wasn't an argument or a comp or anything. We, we made it competitive, but we made it fun. So you enjoyed what you were doing. And I would always watch Jimbo open oysters and he'd always say to me, laugh and smile. He goes, why, why are you standing behind me watching us? I just want to see your techniques and what you're doing, how you're doing it, why the placement of your knife, the, the flick of your wrist. So I just want to see you all. And he goes, why? I said, because... I've heard you open 10 dozen in like 13 minutes. I said, do you? I said, I want to beat that. I said, I, I really want to beat that. And he goes, yeah, radio. He goes, you just keep watching. He goes, but while you're watching, you're not making money. I was like, that's fine. I said, this is the process, Jimbo. You've got to sacrifice some little things to become better and bigger, bigger and better. And 
He's like, yeah, rightio. And then we had Brad from Newcastle. He say the same thing. It's it's consistency. And my brother Dale, believe it or not, he's he's probably quicker than me and Jim. And um, he doesn't go in these competitions, so I've learned a lot from him as well. Watching him open, so. Although opening an oyster is a social skill akin to being able to take the cork out of a bottle of champagne, opening oysters can be a hilarious and slippery adventure involving a mix of skill and bravery. You'll engage in a dance with the oyster, gently convincing it to open up, and when it finally does, being able to celebrate the reward. First time on opening an oyster, I was watching Jim Yanaros open oysters and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I was like, I've been shown how to open oysters. Stewie Kennedy, believe it or not, Stewie Kennedy showed me the basics on how to open an oyster with a file and a screwdriver. So um, that's just going, going to check the condition on our leases and seeing the condition, whether they're right or not for market. And I've, I asked Stewie, like, can you show me a little bit of this stuff here? And we would always forget the knife from the shed and put it in the boat. and. All of a sudden, we we're open with a screwdriver or a, or a file, and uh, then my trainee. I finished my traineeship with with Stuart, and I went over to Bay Oysters and seen Jim open professionally, of course, at the processing plant that they owned in Surfside. And I was like, "There's a knack to this. This is pretty cool." And understanding that the more you open, the more you earn, and and that sort of that that drove me to learn how to open oysters because I think, rightio, we can. There's a bit more money to be made in the processing industry here for oysters than there is on the farm. So Jim said, if you want to learn how to open oysters, we can get you doing it two days a week and you can open for testing up on the up on the leases. So I took the opportunity every time we'd open oysters, the, the, the Greek brothers, they, they aren't shy. When they, when they say they're going out to quality test, mate, they don't open four or five oysters. They open three or four dozen. So you're having a good feed, freshly open oysters on the boat, sitting down, lis- listening to the na- mother nature out there, the birds and pristine waters. You, you, you got to really enjoy a real fresh oyster. It's a shame we didn't have any lemons. And I got in trouble actually from Jim. I said to him, I think I'm going to bring some lemon or some um, French topping to work for when we test oysters. <laughs> Australia's Oyster Coast was established at Batemans Bay on the New South Wales south coast as a business with a focus on building the capacity and capability of the oyster industry. For a young man looking to progress in the industry, it proved a great opportunity to progress with stewardship and mentoring from some of the best in the business. Yeah, that, that was a bit of a tricky one. Actually, that was actually, a, that, that was a that was just um, knowing and knowing about the skills and uh, Craig Smith actually gave Jim Yanaros a call and was talking about and Jim said, mate, I know the perfect person for you to do that. Um, I'm very process driven and I can open oysters, as we know. And Craig gave me a call and we had a few cuppers and just contracted to AOC at the start of it. And then obviously we grew and grew and grew with uh, myself, Craig, Mark and Wait, And Leslie, I should say, um, grew the company as big as we could and too hard for us to handle at the time. So employment came, employment opportunities. The company was just growing and growing and growing. And to come from the farm, having that farming experience in the processing, understanding the oyster conditions and times of when they were best fat and best condition and 
when the mullet run was on and the salmon run was on, like the Wapango oyster, when the salmon ro- the salmon runs on, the Wapango oyster actually tastes like a salmon. Um, and when the mullet are running from Marimbula and Pip Boyton will tell you the same and Dom, all the all them farmers down there, old Wheeler, they'll tell you that, that oysters taste like it's a fishy, fishy taste when, when all these seasons are running. And, and as you said, as I said earlier, with cultural heritage and knowing when these runs were on, you can you can really put it put it to action now and go, mate. I was, I was taught very well here, and and I'm I'm a believer in the seasons are changing. So that 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 alone in itself, uh, the snapper the the are running quite later than what they usually run. The lobsters aren't coming in now when they usually come in. The mullet runs getting later. The the salmon runs becoming a lot earlier because of the warm waters. Creating opportunities for Indigenous people in aquaculture is important for economic empowerment, sustainable resource management, food security, cultural preservation, community development, empowerment, and self-determination. It also contributes to biodiversity conservation, aligns with legal and ethical consideration, and supports global sustainability goals. This approach leads to inclusive and sustainable aquaculture practices that benefit Indigenous communities and society as a whole. For me, it was creating opportunities for the mob. Um, being a manager at Australia's Oyster Coast and having, having good leaders in that in that space, so like Mark Allsop was a CEO at the time, Craig Smith provided me with opportunities and, and getting the guys that I knew that could open oysters through Jim and John. Um, giving them a good full-time opportunity and and keep them employed and away from mischief. So that's that's what really uh, helped me stick to to it. And and of course I loved it. Like I love love being on the water. As I said, as a farmer, I farmed for eight years with CJ single seed oysters and Batemans Bay oysters, and then went across to Australia's oyster coast to process oysters um, into the markets and everywhere and anywhere you can name. For me, I wouldn't say Aboriginal people getting in, involved. It was it was a it's a natural resource for us for thousands of years. Um, it cleansed the uh, the waterways and the systems down this way. And I think having having knowledge grow through what's taken place over the last two hundred years, I think it's um it's changing. Like our, our resources on the coast is. You can say it's limited, very, very limited down this way now. And I think that game and the oyster industry provided those opportunities and, and, and um, enhanced the opportunities for the mob down this way to learn and, and to obviously cultivate oysters. So our, our elders have talked to us and, and their elders have talked to those elders back in the day. Um, there's mitten sites all up and down this coast with, with shells, pipis, mussels, you name it, there's abalone. Um, all those mitten sites that exist and are still culturally, um, we still culturally connect to those, and it's and they're they're protected through New South Wales heritage as well. Uh, just the remnants of what's what's been left over by our ancestors, and and I work in a space now of community uh, health and engagement, and getting our younger people invested in in understanding. What's what's taken place, and how we how do we how do you comprehend what's been taken to this is now an opportunity arising for our young people to to invest their time and skills and knowledge um, into the industries. So, 
and and Aboriginal people are workers, mate. They when they work, that is too. So you give them something they love doing, and they they just do it. We we just do it, and I think that's that's everyone as well. That's not just Aboriginal people. They say if you love your job, you never work a day in your life. So that was me when I was when I was farming oysters. Although opening an oyster for a consumer involves the reward of a tasty treat, for a professional shucker opening two to three hundred dozen a day, the skill, dexterity and determination can take years of training. The first steps into the world of professional opening can be a trying and bloody time. A good dose of natural competitive nature is a real bonus for the professional shucker. Timbo would always say to me, do it, you need, you need to come down to the Oyster Festival. I'm like, no, mate, I said, that, that day is always a really good day for diving or for riding my motorbike. So it was never really interesting competing only against, only with all the brothers uh, during the peak seasons of when we opened. And like, you, you won a fair good pro- bit of prize money. And I was, I was like, you know what, I might go down one year. And the first year I competed with against Jim and John, um, I actually beat John. But Jimbo beat me by a couple of oysters. And I thought, I'm actually pretty good at this. I might actually give it a real go next time I open. So the first year was uh, an eye-opener on the experience and the crowd and how invested they are in that competition. And, and as you're aware, John, you're, you're, you're the man down there. So ev- everyone loves that comp. Everyone loves that comp. And they they love the Gerard Doody Dennis that you call out and they love the Jimbo Yanaros and – it's a really good atmosphere. The The first year I came second, it really opened my eyes and I was just like, I'm actually pretty pretty good at this. I thought I was was like good but not as good as what that was and seeing Jimbo win and watch him again open and then I was like, you know what, I'm actually going to gonna put a bit of effort into technique here and see what, what goes on and how I can go. And we don't, we don't, when we train, we don't train on opening 30 oysters or two and a half dozen. We train on a, on a 10 dozen box. And as I said at the start of this, Jimbo's uh, efforts to opening 10 dozen was around 13, 13 minutes. And I opened mines, my quickest time, I opened uh, 10 dozen in 12 minutes and 16 seconds and I thought well I'm gonna, I'm gonna win the comp this year and I told Jimbo about it and he goes oh, I don't believe you so I said I'll prove it to you and I'll beat you at the comp and the second year I beat him <laughs> so he goes oh well, you obviously trained I said no I said the technique mate just the technique so that's I said it's not not the speed it's the tech and now you get in that knife in there and that one swipe, we call it, the one swipe and pop. So you try to do your best in that area, but because you're shaking, you've got to try to hide it, John. So nerve-wracking up there, especially competing against the people that taught you how to open. The Naruma Oyster Festival is an annual event that celebrates oysters and seafood in Naruma, New South Wales. One of its main attractions is the Oyster Shucking Competition where the best professional shuckers from throughout Australia compete to shuck oysters with speed and precision. This competition highlights the importance of oysters to the seafood industry, but more importantly, the role of the professional shucker. It was a lot bigger this year, I think. I think it was a crowd capacity, I think a record. Um, And 
and more people, as I said, more people investing coming down from or coming up from other regions and areas and experiencing the Oyster Festival. Um, I think this year it's, it's going to be hard to beat. It, it, I hold a place in my heart for this year, I should say. Um, coming down to a dead eat in the in the in the final, um, and then a dead eat again in a shuck off. And as the experience of opening with Jim Wilde and Jim Yannarols, I think I found that more privileged than winning. Actually, John, um, they're two old legends, mate, and and the new rising star, the the emerging star. So. I found I found it unbelievable to be quite and then Sal like the, the women's comp, seeing the girls get up and do that and and I guess it's it's sensational, and as I said like Jim Wild and his daughters are the Australian champ, Sal so that that it's going to be hard to beat that this year is very very special, it was very special. The World Oyster Shucking Competition in Galway is a prestigious annual event held in Galway Island where skilled shuckers from around the world compete in the art of oyster shucking. Participants demonstrate their expertise by swiftly and accurately opening oysters. This competition celebrates the tradition of oyster farming and its culinary significance, drawing competitors and seafood enthusiasts to Galway while promoting the region's rich seafood culture. Doody Dennis, as Australia's entrant in the 2023 competition, is carrying the weight of Australia's industry on his shoulders as he makes his way to this prestigious event. His preparation and training will serve him and Australia well. Um, I haven't really thought about it, to be quite honest with you. Um, I've been talking to Stephen Nolan as well. I think he's the current world champion. I've built a good relationship when he, when the, the Naruma Rocks and the Oyster Festival brought him over here. I, Build a good bond with him, and um, hopefully I can spend a bit of time with him when I go over. And it's a different oyster. Um, I'm sort of worried about that, but I, I do have a plan in, in in place. I'm meeting with Jim Yanneros to talk about the oyster and best way to open the oyster, and then I'll take those take his advice and and go over to Ireland and meet Stephen and trying to put Jimbo's techniques into place and then get some tips from Stephen because Steve's a very nice bloke. He, he, he's a legend, mate, Steve. He will give you tips, advice. He'd probably give me a knife to open with him over, over there. So it's going to be – I'm looking forward to it, but I haven't really thought about the oyster and the process I'm going to take in open over there. So I just want to beat Jim, John, to be quite honest with you. I think he came like – I think he came – 10th or 9th or something like that in the world. So if I can get down below 8 or 7 or 6 or even 3, um, I'll be pretty happy with um, my placement, I will say. I, I actually say this to my wife. She's excited about going over and it hasn't really hit me yet, John. It might hit me after this, uh, this little podcast here, actually. So... Oh, as I said, I haven't really thought about it. Um, I think I started to look at the oysters over there and, and watching some things on YouTube on how they're opening oysters and do I need to go get some flat Angazi and, and practice before I go do a do a week for someone with Angazi or open the way they open with a Pacific oyster or that that was like last night and then the I don't want to put too much pressure on myself because I want to get there, understand the oyster, feel the oyster, know where that abductor muscle is on the oyster. 
that that's that's the main thing. How big is he, Dr. Moss? I don't know. Like um when Jimbo gets back from Greece, I think that conversation will be a very good conversation. I think there'll be a little notebook full of notes. So um and when I talk to Steve and and then be with him over there about going to Kelly's farm and everything like that and or into a restaurant and open noises for the public over there or the night before the the, the comp. Um then maybe then maybe that will hit me then. Maybe I should approach Australia's oyster coast to see if we can get some export island oysters over here and open a couple of hundred dozen and put them into the Sydney fish market or put them into fish tails and see what, what yourself can do with them. So I should, I, should, I should have thought about that process. As I said, I haven't been worried about it, but now I'm starting to think about it because you've asked the question. <laughs> The unique flavours and textures of rock oysters from different estuaries in New South Wales make them a diverse and exciting part of the region's culinary offerings. Each estuary imparts distinct characteristics to its oysters, providing seafood enthusiasts with a wide range of taste experiences to explore. The excitement of discovering the different flavours by season and region is one of the true pleasures of the rock oyster. Yeah, mate, uh, don't put too many oysters in front of me. They won't last too long. Um, and then when I'm opening, I think I think um, we can thank AOC for it was one for the tray and one for me, one for the tray and one for me. Um, no, mate, I love oysters. The, the different variety of tastes and textures uh, for each oyster and, and each estuary is a, is an eye opener for for anyone that hasn't experienced uh, quality oysters from estuaries when they're at their peak season. Uh, I advise you to 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 take that opportunity and and. Try them at their at their at their peak, um, because it's it's an experience to understand and know the uh, different facets of what makes makes the oyster the oyster. As I spoke about earlier, when the mullet runs on at Wapango and the salmon runs on through Marimbula, same places, the oyster's got a very unique taste, and like especially. When the uh, the the red algae is is coming out of or the it's not the red it's the green the emerald oyster down at Marimbula when that's going it's it's got another unique taste to it and certain times of year when the oyster's so fat there's a red algae that they concentrate on eating that sends another different taste through them. Then when we get a bit of rain the flavour of the fresh water and the salt water mixing and combining to to make that oh, the the juices in the oysters just sensational like you got to experience oysters at different times of the year um and understandably knowing the seasons of what estuaries are at their peaks um is really well and i think AOS, australia's oyster coast has um got that down to pat now with uh pit boyton being there as well and understanding estuaries and benny rolson was there and and helped with the farming side of that so i think um the processing guys now understand, and 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 Joe Zappia been a, a processor for many many years now. He's a procurement guy there, so he understands what estuaries are on, what months, so and the flavors of them. So, as I just said, it's it's different seasons, John. I don't have a particular favorite, but on the day of the festival this year. Um, I will say Marimbula was my favourite at the festival. So the Marimbula oyster, the Clyde, and then the Wapango. But at, at most times, it's usually 
the uh, Clyde and the Wapango Oyster, but Marimbula this year was my favourite. Um, and I'm pretty sure we got those from, I'm not sure whether it was Rodney Rudder or or whether it was, um, oh, what's the guy's name down there? Wheeler, Wheelers. I, I don't know whose oysters they were, but, mate, they, they were... They were the they were the cream of the crop this year, the Marimbula ones, and and the Clyde like Clyde for once was a very good oyster at that time of year for them, and which is which was sensational because Jade Rolston, mate, she was she had some really good oysters, so they were they were my two favourite, and of course Wapping goes everyone's favourite, but it didn't come the the flavours they didn't present as well this year compared to the Marimbula and the Clyde Oyster this year. So, as I said, it's, it's that time of year and knowing when to, when to harvest oysters and where to put them in the estuary, John, is, is, a, is another thing. Like knowing where the, where, the, where the food source is going to be for the oysters and picking that spot and you might miss that spot for that festival and you might even actually spawn them off if there's a full moon around that, tide, around that time as well. So, yeah, the Marimbula Oyster this year was my favourite. The love of someone deeply connected to their region, people and work is a powerful force for positive change and preservation. It's a love that enriches their life, strengthens their community and leaves a lasting legacy for future generations to cherish and build on. In relationships to oysters, what was getting me out of my bed, as I said before, um, creating and providing opportunities for the mob when I was in that, in that industry um, and being a people person, I think, um, to be able to provide the opportunities for the for the mob down here, I think it's it really drove me to go to work and seeing the mob actually participate in work and being at work and helping them on their journey, whether it was was uh, getting off the drugs, or staying off the drugs, uh, staying away from alcohol, and I'm um, giving them a better, healthier lifestyle, and not only that, mate, providing support like income. Like the, the economy's struggling, as, as we're all aware. So it's it, it's those sort of little knacks that got me out of the bed. And of course, providing food for my family and paying my mortgage as well is um is a is a motivator to get you out of bed as for everyone else and paying a price of fuel. So so yeah, it's um I think we just need a little bit more of that around. The pride of a young Indigenous man making a successful career in a specialised field like the oyster industry is a testament to his determination, resilience and commitment to the heritage and community. Gerard Dudi Dennis is a proud Walbunja man. He plays a crucial role in raising awareness and appreciation for the South Coast and the rock oyster, as well as highlighting the deep history of Aboriginal involvement in oyster farming. He serves as a cultural ambassador, preserving heritage, promoting sustainability, fostering inclusivity, and empowering his community economically through educational initiatives, cultural celebrations, and his own success story. Dudi connects the past and present, enriching the region's cultural identity and understanding of its heritage. This is Fishtales, a seafood podcast. A Deep in the Weeds production, I'm John Sussman. Follow us on Instagram at Fishtails Seafood Podcast or email us at fishtailspodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay tuned for more tales from beneath the surface of the seafood world every Friday on your podcast app.